Hey, this is Movies, episode 202, and I'm Low Res Wondergrave. With me today, of course, he just figured out he had to put the pop filter on his microphone, is Hans. Yeah, I wanted to use it like an old radio singer, you know, it was just a naked microphone and it would crude into it. Well, it certainly did give us a whole lot of great atmosphere with all the room tone that your your mic was picking up. It was great. You know, it, I love it when you're listening to a podcast and it just sounds like their computer is overheating throughout the entire duration of the show. That's a good sound. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just you can't hear it. Right. So my computer is definitely overheating. Well, today we're going to be talking about a movie that I had never heard of before until you said you, you found it on Yiffy of all places, which is kind of like Netflix. A lot of people would say it's like Netflix. Better than Netflix. Oh, yeah, you got <laughs> unlimited options. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. You... And, and you have better better quality movies. You have a lot of classics, a lot of weird uh, experimental movies, a lot of weird Asian movies, too. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I noticed you were on a Japanese film cycle of watching these weirder films from the late 20th century. Just I picked up from Letterboxd. What, what got you there? And what did you watch? Have you seen anything good? Have you seen anything that would be worth covering on this show? Uh, that's a good question. That was a while ago. Uh, I just started, well, because they just throw random movies sometimes. And if, if it's Asian and the cover looks fun, I have a look. Uh, the one I was, I was watching the other day, but I fell asleep just because it was like two in the morning was, uh, fuck, what's it called? I think I sent you the trailer for it, uh, a while ago. It's called, uh, no, I don't think you sent me the trailer to it. I think you sent a picture. Oh, maybe you, maybe you did send it. And I, I don't know if I got around to taking a look at it. Why don't we just pull up the trailer real quick on the show? By the way. Uh, I like how we played The Simpsons on episode 200 for Burn Notice, and that is not what got us clipped by Disney and 20th Century Fox. No, it was the Burn Notice movie clip with Bruce Campbell that Disney really? wanted flagging us for. Yeah. All right, this is from Mako Coyota. The, the Toyota Company produces this film, which is, what is it, Haruki the Goblin? Hiruko. Based on a manga, that's how you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Yokai Hunter. And yokai is like those spirits. Like funny spirits. They love bucket hats in Japan. That was always in fashion. See, so it's just a lot of just weirdo. Uh, like I've seen that image before. I just never knew where it was from. That that tarantula with a face on it. Yeah, somebody was a fan of the thing. Yeah.
yeah so weird shit like that looks great <laughs> i've been really into just yeah just well, really obscure just weirdo japanese shit something we don't see enough of in films is when someone's crashing through a window and it's shot in slow motion and that movie yeah, had that so i might check that out that no they don't no, I think Manhunter kind of killed it. I think that's that's the oh, movie yeah. where they peaked. There was no reason to continue doing that. One that I watched recently, another Asian movie that was, I think it was recommended uh, on the Facebook group we have. It's called The Sadness. Have you heard of this? <clears throat> so it's uh, it's apparently a Canadian director. Uh, and... He, I don't know where he directed it. I don't know in which Asian country he directed this movie, but it's about, it's about like an illness, kind of like the pandemic, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, that is transmitted from person to person. But what happens is that it turns everyone into like a, a horned up, super strong, like zombie, but not zombie. So like um, uh, 38 Days Later zombie, you know, like a, a fast one. Days, yes. 28, 38. That's a that's the the asylum version. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> and uh, they they uh, they just go crazy and they want to stab people and and fuck them because every all of them turn into really horny, uh, like zombie. This sounds creatures. like Zack Snyder's failed sequel to Dawn of the Dead, where he wanted the zombies to rape. It's, I mean, they do that a lot here. Like it happens a lot. It's very horny, <laughs> but the thing is that. Do you have a lot of really cool elements of, on it? Have a lot of gore that is really well done. It looks very real. Uh, whenever one of them stabs another, it's like 50 stabs and you see and feel every single one of them. So that's done really well. But I don't know if, if this is something uh, that happens in it's just like a stereotype of Asian movies or just something that they do every time. But the protagonists are always so weirdly emotional and dumb. That is very difficult to connect or care. Like there's a so the, our main characters, this is this guy, and then he has a girlfriend, and his girlfriend's at the train station or whatever. Uh, and then in her train, uh, this shit starts happening. So there's this fat girl that gets her eyes stabbed out, right? And this girl, instead of just leaving her so that she can get attacked and she can run away, she tries like carrying her. And, like, you know, save her because she has to, like, her mission now is not surviving. It's, like, save this girl that she just met. And it's very emotional, very, like, she's crying. And and I'm just, like, you just fucking met. Just run. Like, people are getting stabbed and raped and stabbed and raped in that order. And you're just there trying to help this stranger. So they they do a lot of things like that where, where it's very difficult to... I mean, you're already suspending disbelief with the fact that this is happening, like this completely outrageous and, and ridiculous uh, uh, virus or whatever. But then you also have to suspend the belief that in this ruthless world where this shit can happen, our main character is like so emotional for someone he just met. And it's just like, I, uh, I can't. It, it's, it's difficult to connect with that. Yeah, that sounds about... That sounds about what you would expect, though, from that kind of movie. They should have done that with Hostel when that Asian girl lost her eyes. Just have Jay Hernandez start crying and getting upset about well, it. Well, he kind of does, right? And then, But he, he, he has a somewhat of a rapport with that woman earlier in the film, anyway, because they're both traveling. Not traveling together, but they're traveling simultaneously, crossing uh, through that, that hostel right. together. So uh, it doesn't sound like there was any real standouts in your... In your Japanese voyage, 
Uh, not that I can think of right now. But you that you watched Haruki ago. the Goblin though. Yeah, yeah, that was. Is that, is that as good as the trailer looked? Is it ever? Is it ever? No, it never is. Of course not. Why? Why even <laughs> no. ask that? No, I think those Japanese trailers are always great because they sell you that, and then it has a couple of like, just like every one of those movies, you know, kind of slow, kind of like, why is this happening, you know? But it's it's fun, it's entertaining. I think the one instance of a of a Japanese movie's trailer meeting the overall energy or quality of the film is maybe House. Maybe house. Uh, I, I off the top of my head, I haven't seen the the trailers to Ring or Audition or any of those films. We got to get around to doing the Ring films at some point. That whole that whole series is a big old mess. I don't know if we talked about it on the show before. How all the you know these repeat timelines essentially. Um, yeah. It's kind of a multiverse for the whole Ring series. I guess it's it's one of those. Uh... Is successful. It's working. So let's just try to milk it with whatever we can, even if it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know what wasn't successful is Northman. This Northman movie bombed very hard. Yeah. Oh shit! I've had a lot of people asking me, "Hey, are you guys going to cover the North?" I didn't even plan on seeing this movie, uh, but I did see the movie. I'm glad I saw the movie. It's probably the best movie I've seen so far this year. Just a, a heads up. Once we get around to covering it on the show. But I'm not a big fan of Robert Eggers in general. I think he's kind of overrated. I, I, you know, a lot of people love memeing the lighthouse. I thought yeah. that movie was very like a four out of ten. It's fine. Yeah, I think it's more of a six. I think it's just in a in a field of so many uninteresting directors. He stands out just because he's doing different stuff. I guess where it's more visual and. He's not doing different stuff. He's just doing older stuff. He's abiding by the old rules of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, Because The Witch Witch is good, but it's also one of the dullest movies that you'll see. You know, it's very, very slow and very quiet. And then things, which it's on purpose because, you know, it's supposed to be back in the, what, 1800s, 1600s, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... It's 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 yeah. Whenever the the scary shit happens, it's like all right. This is what is it? Uh, elevated horror, you know. So it's it's not even fun most of the time. It's just like oh well, this is this is not a jump scare, I guess. So it's good. Um, but I, at least yeah, he's doing things differently than what most directors are doing now. So I guess that's why he stands out. But I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I I'm looking forward to watching that just because he did look interesting and. All of that Viking shit, it's always cool. But I think you said it was good, right? I know, it's Your great. Your was... Uh, it's easily the best movie I've seen uh, so far this year. Ted K is a distant second. But this felt like... This felt... You know, if, 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 if the same kind of vibe that I talk about with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, about how that's like... It feels more like a fantasy epic because it encapsulates everything you need from a 20-film commercial franchise into just one movie the northman has a similar vibe of that that i think harkens back to 1980s action films specifically uh something in vein of like conan or um or legend you know with tom cruise and tim curry that's the kind of movie that this is without getting genuinely fantastical with it there's a couple of uh, your drug sequences and dream sequences where 
Robert Eggers is allowed to play with, um, you know, characters or creatures or or like just spiritual matters that don't necessarily have uh, themselves baked into the film as, as reality. It's not like uh, Odin is an authentic, real deal thing in this movie, even if the characters believe in that and everything that comes with it. So the mysticism of it is compartmentalized in parts of the film, which is how I, I like when filmmakers tend to handle these subjects. Yeah, sounds good. I just don't know if that's even going to be playing in theaters here. What is playing um, in theaters here right now? This check. movie Let's came in like check. fifth place or something. That and the Nick Cage movie bombed at the box office. People don't want to see those. People want to see Disney junk. What is it, the red, straight red or turning red or whatever the movie's called? What's it called? Uh, I think it's red. Turning Red. That just went to streaming as well. Um, we have Fantastic Beasts. We have oh, right. That's called... a big movie. That's a big movie, which also is not performing uh, well for its budget. We've got a movie called Desperate with Naomi Watts. I haven't even heard oh, of that. Oh, Northman. It's Northman, but it's dubbed. I know. Dubbed in Spanish? <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> if well. there's something you don't want to hear, it's just uh, Latin American uh, Spanish because it's not of a specific country. It's just like something that would cover every single one of them. So it sounds like none of them. Right. Uh, well, let me let me ask you something yeah. as far as that dubbing goes. Do they get actual actors who are popular in Latin America to dub those? Or do they have like, voice actors who are famous for that? Like a Phil Lamar might be or, or you know what I, you know what I mean? Sometimes, and when they when they do use real actors, is very evident because I guess they just get people that that people recognize, so they don't even try to disguise their voice. It's like it's like uh, like uh, uh, casting uh, I don't know Seth Rogen to play like a, a woman, and then he doesn't even try to change his voice at all because that's Seth Rogen. So it's like, well, this is the I don't know Eugenio Herbert, which is a, a big comedians it's like oh that's him so i guess he's playing dad you know they rather people recognize him than than not just i guess why they're paying what the fuck every showing of that movie is dubbed i'm not watching the northman <laughs> northman <laughs> the mexican northman oh that sucks okay uh king back Are the re- do the rest of the movies just have subtitles baked into them then? Some of them, yeah. It could either be dubbed or, or with subtitles. Otherwise, you know, they don't show it. Right. Like, Are there any Spanish films playing? Or... Uh, I don't know. If this is... See, the thing is that I have to click on them to see if they're a movie in English or if it's just the, the name in Spanish because they do change it. Uh, the Lost City... No, that's a, that's a Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and Brad Pitt has a cameo in that. It looks like a horrible movie. Uh, there's an animated movie called The Bad Guys. No, that's also... No, that ain't Disney. Sonic I feel like that's 2. A, what, oh, Sonic <laughs> 2? Yeah. No, they're all, they're all like uh, American movies. They don't really support Latin American cinema that much. Uh, because I guess it doesn't make them money, right? So sometimes you would see that they they show it on like a Tuesday or or something like that. And they show local movies, or but it's not, especially because they're all um, part of 
like Cinemark. I don't know if that's a that's a brand up there. No, Cinemark is like a so. uh, a company that owns uh, theaters in a, in a lot of different countries. So it's like a chain. Yeah. Uh, so of course they're only they're only going to show you know uh, whatever it's going to make them money, and it's usually franchises. Well, you know, something that's interesting about the film that we're talking about tonight, which we haven't gotten to just yet, we haven't named that movie, although obviously it's the title of the episode, so you know what you're in for, is uh, this movie Witness was a box office smash, was huge at the box office when it released. Yes. Really? Yeah, I know. So this is something I looked into after you recommended it out of the blue, like, oh, hey, there's this Harrison Ford movie. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, I, I think we get a general better response when we go more obscure as opposed to when we cover uh, uh, box office shit that, that happens to right. just be, you know, recent. You know, so uh, this movie's from 1985. It's from Peter Weir, who directed The Truman Show. He directed Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. That might have been his last movie he directed. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but he was uh, a well-recognized director in the 1980s. And this stars Harrison Ford, stars Kelly McGillis, Danny Glover as a bad guy. This is kind of a rare turn for him. You know, he, had, he hadn't done Lethal Weapon just yet. That's going to be 1987, I believe, with Richard Donner. Um, and uh, Lucas Haas, who's a, a member of the Pussy Posse, also a member of one of Vincent Gallo's bands. So yeah, who looks just like Fievel from Fievel Goes West yeah, with, his, yeah. with his little Amish hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Peter Weir's last movie was a movie called The Way Back from twenty. Is that with Owen Wilson starring Ed Harris, Jim Sturgis? I I don't know how to say this girl's name. Ro- that Ronan girl, <laughs> Sarah Ronan. Ray. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and and Colin Farrell. It says a Siberian gulag escapees traveled 4,000 miles by foot to freedom in India, based on a true story. Apparently, it was nominated for an Oscar. I don't know, but that was his last, the last Peter Weir directed movie after Mastering Commander. Got it. So he's just kind of a whatever director, as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't. He, yeah. he from the movies that I've seen of his, he doesn't have a distinct style or any or anything of that sort. But he's not bad. He just seems very just one way this kind of made for tv ish i wouldn't say made for tv ish but he's definitely a generic direct and granted look i've only seen about four of his movies maybe maybe he just seems very let's go for hire uh homesdale uh cars that ate paris yep that's picnic at hanging rock well that's last wave people love that one really picnic at yeah, that, I'm not. I'm not joking. Serious? Yeah, that's a that's a oh, famous okay. one. Gallipoli, or Gallipoli, uh, the year of living dangerously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Witness the Mosquito Coast. Mosquito Death Coast is actually. Have you seen the Mosquito Coast? Doesn't sound familiar. No. That's an interesting character piece. I don't know if it's a particularly well made piece of filmmaking though that's from uh well paul schrader wrote the script to that that also stars harrison ford and he plays off type he's kind of a nerd in that and um he's out in oh i think of see 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 like this and witness is another one um growing up we i didn't have a vhs or whatever so we would just watch movies in hbo 
Cinemax, and there was another Cinecanal, it's another channel that we had here, where old movies that we just play them as like premiere, like his premiere for t tonight is like Witness, starring Harrison Ford or whatever. So that's how I got introduced to a lot of these movies. So I have memories of very specific, like on Witness, I have memories of the little boy in the bathroom. Like I have a, a memory of just the little boy looking very innocently and then scary Daniel, uh, Danny Glover. So when I saw that trailer of it, I was like, oh shit, I think I've seen this movie, but I don't really remember it. So that's, that's why I recommend it to you. This Mosquito movie is the exact same thing where it's like, oh, Harrison Ford with long hair and glasses. I remember. I remember that look, but I don't remember anything that happens in it. Uh, but a lot of 80s movies uh, and some 70s movies, I recognize them like that just because I have like a little memory of a movie that I watched, you know, 20 years ago or something yeah. on cable. Mosquito Coast is an interesting one. Um, I don't think it really sticks to the landing, but it's interesting to watch Harrison Ford play that character, which is very unlike any character he had played during that time or really since. So it, it's a recommend on, on that basis. I know they made a series or, or there was a new adaptation of it, I think in the past five or 10 years that was on some defunct network. Like I remember... Maybe Paramount had a channel briefly, and they did it for that when they were doing Heather's, uh, the TV show. I, I could be misremembering the uh, network, yeah. but it was something like that. Apple TV Plus. Oh, it was an Apple 20, show. 2021, uh, uh, developed by Neil Cross and Tom Bissell, based on the novel, uh, loosely adapted from the movie, starring Harrison Ford, stars Justin Theroux, Melissa George. He's not a bad choice for that character, Justin Throw. I'm not going to check out that that series, though. Is it just called The Mosquito no. Coast as well? It's called The... Yeah. Only lasted seven episodes. And they haven't canceled it yet. But it's not a limited series. It's, a, it's an ongoing TV show. Oh, no, wait. It's renewed. It was renewed in June 2021 for a second season. And on Apple TV+. Plus. Apple TV+, Plus. isn't it just Apple TV+. They love adding Plus to, extra? to all these streaming networks. Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, CNN Plus. That's, they, they're just void of any sort of creativity. It's because of Disney. Disney it's got a 6 out of 10 uh, average rating. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that's probably generous because yeah. people... People like to tell themselves that things on Apple are, are worthwhile or worth watching, but we know the truth. Yeah, so so let me let me read the because I think it's funny the way it's written. An idealistic and idealistic inventor, disguised disgusted with the corruption of the industrial world, uproots his family to Latin America. Later, when the U.S. government tries to catch them, they take a dangerous quest through Mexico to flee the U.S. government and fight Tiff. Why would you go to Mexico? That's the closest one. We just get lost in like El Salvador or something. Yeah, I don't know. He so builds snow there. He, in the movie anyway with Harrison Ford, he builds snow there. And the villagers are like, oh, my God, it's a miracle. Snow. And then later. Yeah, we're freezing. <laughs> you know, he, he, I think he winds up uh, burning down the entire forest and killing a bunch of people. And saying it was an accident, it was an accident, but he like did it on purpose. I I could be misremembering, but uh, it's it's all right. It's a two point five out of four. Uh, that's how I would rate it anyway. 
I never believed in five-star ratings, personally. I like a good four stars at the maximum. That's not how Letterboxd does shit, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this, witnesses. So this movie was a bomb. Mosquito Coast made $14 million of 25 budget. So that was a bomb. Did that come before uh, or after Witness? After. The year okay. after. So he had all this goodwill critically and at the box office because Witness was a sensation. Witness is a, a strange case, but I guess not that strange as we move yeah. along with time. Uh, it doesn't matter if something is such a big success, success excuse me, at the box office or as far as any sort of nominations at the Academy Awards. Let's take a look at Avatar, which just got its second movie announced for this yeah. year. And they announced that there's going to be one that comes out every two years around December. So that's exciting. We have five Avatar movies to look forward to. I just still haven't even seen the first one. Right. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. Don't, don't bother. Um, there's no reason to. But it, I'm just proving a point here, and you're kind of validating that, uh, yeah. which is that Avatar was this massive hit. For the longest time, it was the top box office earner. It was nominated for Best Picture, and nobody really has a memory of it. People can't even How put themselves. Was What's that? Has it been twenty already? No, nah, no, it was two thousand nine. It oh, was okay. immediately following the Dark Knight because the Dark Knight, I think, became the like a top five all-time grossing film. Titanic kept number one. I think it was the number two box office earner. And then Avatar came along and was like, "We're going to do." Dark Knight numbers, and then we're going to surpass Dark Knight numbers, and then we're going to surpass Titanic's numbers. And it did all that. And it got a Best Picture nomination. And it's a fine movie. It's yeah. really, if you're not in the theater, watching it with IMAX and having the 3D glasses on, you could give a shit about it. You'd never watch it on your TV at home. And that's probably why there hasn't been any sticking power to that movie. So right. It's like Gravity. Remember yes. Gravity? Yeah, I remember. I just remember Gravity because you said Gravity. That's how I remember Gravity. <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have remembered that. that. <laughs> I watched it in a big theater in London, and I was like, this is awesome. I was the gigantic screen. I tried watching it at home, and I was like, this is boring. <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> is happening. This is not as impressive because my the sound in my room and my screen is not as impressive as the movie theater, so it's just... A lady floating around for an hour and a half, and then she stops floating around, and that's it. It's uh, it's definitely a theater movie, you know. It's a you had to be there in that moment yeah. film. So there's there's yeah. a reason why that movie, or at least that we can identify with that movie, as to why people don't really remember it. Uh, will people turn out to these Avatar sequels? Probably, because you know why? There's going to be a Disney, a fake 20th Century Fox, a bootleg 20th Century Fox logo, 20th Century Studio. They should just put them all on Hulu at once. That's what they should do. Just say, fuck it. Now it's a miniseries. James Cameron, you just <laughs> spent it's... 15, you spent 18 years on a miniseries for Hulu. You just spent how much on those 3D cameras that you're not going to use because we're going to put them on streaming and no one has those glasses at home anymore? Who wants to, no, who, who <laughs> wants to go back to the theater and put on a pair of glasses and watch those fucking movies? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Peter Weir movie. It's called Great No, hold on, Heart. hold on, hold on. We're, gonna, we're, we're drifting away from I the point. To, 
I just I just saw Gerard Depardieu and remember that at one point that Americans try to make him like a sex symbol and he's the most <laughs> hideous man, in, <laughs> the Frenchest looking cartoon man ever. Uh, but sorry, yeah, yeah. Avatar sucks. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> get back to Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> this movie made something like 125 million at the box office off of a 12 million dollar budget, which in 1985 is extremely impressive. And it was nominated for about 10 Academy Awards. I think it won Best Original Screenplay uh, and lost everything else. I, again, I could be wrong about that. But this is a movie that has no cultural footprint. And you know what? I'd, yeah. be, I'd be curious to see what a lot of those Best Picture nominees and winners throughout the 1980s uh, are. Because I, I have a feeling it's maybe the same case with, with many of those. This felt like a very good, but run-of-the-mill cinematic police procedural, in my opinion. Maybe you have a different uh, stance on that. I mean, Harrison Ford was very good, but he's always very good. Yeah, it just, it felt very styleless. It felt very, like you said, uh, director for hire movie, where anyone could have directed this and you couldn't tell who directed it there's nothing about it that or i mean i i think it's the only peter weir movie i've seen after looking at the list i haven't even seen uh dead poet society okay truman show but those movies don't really have a style so anyone could have directed them and this one kind of felt uh either the same way they felt about Death Wish when they rewatched it, like the old one, when I rewatched it, it was like, oh, I bet this was badass at some point. Uh, but here, you know, that that throat cut <laughs> at the beginning, I was immediately like, oh, man, come on. Can you try a little bit? <laughs> it looks like he just rubbed a pen on his neck and then something very red came out, like mm, very liquidy. Yeah. Uh, so it felt very safe, very like that's why it reminded me of like a TV movie where there's nothing visually impressive about it that uh, you would think, oh, it you know it it took real talent to do this. And I'm not shitting on on people that worked on it, but the, there's really nothing special about the way that it's shot. Uh, the performances are good. I, I like the story. Uh, I I think it was interesting how that world of of what, what would you call it? The, I guess the Amish world is not something that's really explored in movies very much, because I don't know how much. You no, do I. With it. You know when I, you I, when you tossed this movie my way and suggested it for the show, I had it confused with. I don't. I mean, maybe this is another movie, but it was based on a real crime where there was a murder in the Amish community, and somebody had to go in and solve it. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? That sounds familiar. Yeah, that's what I thought we were in for. And so when it was essentially the reverse of that, where there's a murder that occurs in, where are they at? Like Grand Central Station or uh, they they essentially have a layover. This Amish mother and son, played by Kelly McGillis and uh, Lucas Haas. Uh, and they're just hanging out and he goes to use the bathroom and Danny Glover and another guy slit somebody's throat in the bathroom and it turns out that danny glover is this high profile uh local figure is it is it that he's a politician or he's um just like a a wealthy do-gooder or what what's the deal influence yeah i don't know i i thought he was like a cop at first but then 
yeah, no. I don't I don't know, to be honest. I don't really remember what he does. Let me see. Uh well Lucas has identifies him in the police station after they've unfairly racially profiled a number of black men and decided to take the family <laughs> along with them. They just bring them into like the a hood lot of, and pull out a, a like a cracked of... out drug dealer, you know? And just like, hey, is this the guy? Man, the... Oh no. Hey, you <laughs> can just go, look like they just look like they just woke up, like you just took him out of their house with like their their hair like all nappy and yeah, all yeah. shitty and like yeah. Uh, is he just like yeah, a community no, leader? What is what what's the, the fuck deal? Is he? Schaefer McPhee Ferguson. What's his character's name? Oh, he's a lieutenant. Yeah, so he was a cop. Lieutenant Glover. He's called Lieutenant James McPhee. It's his character, so he was like a lieutenant he was a lieutenant and he's the one slitting throats himself you can't hire a guy yeah, the, and get him off the hook this the sergeant also was with them right that old man at the end the only one that's alive at the end uh he was also like a sergeant or something at the at the police okay and so anyway and to refresh go back my to memory also yeah. as to why they kill this guy Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think I was paying attention to the beginning that much after that scene. Uh, it says here that uh, McPhee was previously responsible for a seizure of expensive chemicals used to make black market amphetamines, but the evidence has now disappeared. Ah, so McPhee okay, sold so the chemicals to drug dealers the and then murdered a detective that had been investigating yes. the theft. Yeah. All right, I got you. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> All right, so crooked, crooked police, well, as always. <laughs> yeah, they don't do a good job of explaining the fact that neither one of us could remember off the top of our heads why they killed that guy. We just know that they had to kill that guy. It's very quickly brushed aside to focus on on this. What do they call him? American? Is that what they call? Him? That's what they call him, right? The the Amish. Uh. I don't know. Or, I know. They don't call him American. They give him a name. They call him something. Hold on. What is the fucking name they use for him? Because he, they, they say, like, do not, or to show that they haven't accepted him in their community or whatever. They have a name for him when he shows up. And then at the end, uh, the last line from that Amish guy is like, vaya con Dios or something. Oh, no. <laughs> English. They call him English. So, so he's. The movie is mostly focused on him uh, fleeing uh, Danny Glover and the other cops who have shot him already, right? He's trying to protect the, the kid and the mom because they're, they're witnesses in this murder or they're supposed to be mur witnesses in this murder trial. But while protecting them, he gets shot and then they take him to their Amish community to help him heal. Which, by the way, uh, if if you're telling, all right, if you're working for the police, happened. right? If you're working for the police, and you're like, "Hey, this other cop's dirty," and then the top of the, the top of the chain goes, "Okay, let's just keep this between you and me." Yeah, that no, nah, you shouldn't do that. That's usually a sign that you're you're gonna get fucking killed. So maybe maybe uh, yeah. maybe use that as like a hint that. Your days are numbered. You're on. You're the one on the chopping block, and not that person you just ratted out. Yeah, that they was uh, his, his partner, right? Too. Yeah, they killed his partner. Needless, just to send a message to him, it seemed like because I don't yeah. think, or maybe they just didn't know that he didn't know anything. They were playing it safe. Um, 
but they do try and interrogate him, shake him down, see if he knows where the Harrison Ford character is. Obviously, he, you know, he does, and Harrison Ford is shot, and then he's out of there. Uh, goes into hiding for a bit, and they nurse him back to health with what? They put milk in his wound. They put some honey and milk in his gunshot wound. Some breast milk in his gunshot wound, and some goat's goop yeah. from a teat. I think they <laughs> just throw he... some grass in there as well to you know just help it heal. Yeah, some uh, some beard beard shavings on yeah. it, and uh, and then he just wakes up like a week later. This is a weird fake out. He's dead sequence, which is immediate. Yeah. Like, and it's a hard cut. Like, it felt like in post production they decided to make it that when it wasn't that like he's just he looks very dead and then all of a sudden he's laying in a different position and she's like oh phew even though we didn't see any movement at all it just looks like a weird juxtaposition between two different shots yeah he just had a fever and then yeah he's like dead and then wakes up get wakes up with the funniest look in his face like what the fuck am i doing here just like just terrified and then <laughs> looking at her and just like what like not knowing where he's at at all uh oh shit oh no never mind i thought that was never mind <laughs> never mind uh yeah anyway so then the whole movie is focused then on this world that refuses to accept him right because no one wants him there uh and then him also being like this kind of kind of stupid like this kind of kind of dumb but then he he learns the way of the Amish, the ways of the Amish, and and becomes a part of the community to the point where he almost fucks this Amish girl <laughs> a couple of times. Uh, um, got in trouble once because they're danced right, and they and dance with the car like, lights on and the radio playing and yeah. that. Now the Amish do not have necessarily an anti-electricity policy, especially if you go around there. Nowadays, now have you ever encountered any Amish IRL? No, I guess you wouldn't encounter them online. That would be kind of, yeah, at an airport. I've seen Amish at an airport before, Amish at an airport, and they stunk like you could smell (laughs) them from like far away. Well, they gotta make their own deodorant, you know, yeah, with saliva. Are you sure these are Muslims? You're talking about no. stinky people that are anyway. I should. They were white. They had the Abe Lincoln thing, and then yeah, there's white Muslims too that dress up. that way. Check out the box. Have you ever seen Chechnya? No, but they weren't wearing you know those comfortable shirts. They I think were you saw some Muslims, Hans. I think you just were confused, probably drunk. You were probably drunk at the I airport. I think you were... had a couple of whiskey cocktails <laughs> waiting for your plane. No. I have you autism yourself, when I go to the airport. Oh. I have to be like on my own senses because I'm afraid I'm going to miss or lose something. Yeah. But what what probably happened was what happened to Lucas Haas in this movie at the beginning where he thinks he's next to an Amish and he's just an old Jew. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> where he's like all happy because yeah. he sees someone that looks like him and he looks up and it's just a miserable looking old Jew <laughs> just yeah. looks at him like meh <laughs> yeah it's like maybe maybe that was my mistake maybe it was just a you know uh what are they called a uh, Hasidic yes Hasidic that's right German. so yeah I think that that's an easy mistake uh I've seen them a couple of times uh th- when I was at Trader oh, Joe's the Hasid's dudes, 
they just stink too, right? The Hasids. I haven't gotten close enough. I try to avoid them. I get uh, scared. They all yeah. look very creepy with their <laughs> bald wives and their long locks. If you go through Brooklyn, you see a lot of them waiting for the the bus, like little guys, just with briefcases. And I mean, I mean, like 15, 12, 13, 14 year old boys that try to look like 60 year old men. They have briefcases they bring to school and they dress like that. So that's <laughs> that's what New York is like in some parts. But I've seen some Amish yeah, in New York. Yeah. They were at Trader Joe's. It was a full Amish family that came in for a wedding. So they were meeting the wife or, or, or somebody who was not Amish and was marrying an Amish man. And there was about 15 of them. And they were just hanging out, having Trader Joe's mac and cheese or whatever. So that was one time. I also spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania. And that's where they seem to be. There's quite a lot of them. And they were selling fudge and other pastries and sweets at a market in Pennsylvania. And that was all very good, very tasty stuff. Yeah? Did you try yeah. them? Yeah. Very, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, I can't even shit on it because I'm sure that Latin American food is dirtier <laughs> than what they do. So I'm, I was going to say, oh, with their fucking filthy feet or whatever. And it's like, that's probably what we do here. <laughs> That is definitely what we do here, so I can't even fucking talk shit. That's that's what gives it the flavor. Uh, so yeah, uh, did did you think uh, the which was probably my favorite scene of this movie, um, the scene where where they get bullied on the street by like the goofiest bullies, <laughs> by like I've typical eighties bullies who would live in yeah, Pennsylvania but like, and look and act like that for that time. But they're adults. And yes. the bullying they get is that one of them gets an ice cream rubbed on his cheeks and nose. It, yeah, and it's chin. <laughs> Mr. Smooth Talker who just cannot sell, seal the deal with that woman. Uh, she, he, he wants her so bad and she just could not be less interested. Uh, this guy who looks like looks Rennie like, Harlan. I thought he looked, he looked like um, uh, Highlander. What's his name? Uh, Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Here we go. Is the scene where, where he gets bullied <laughs> by his very face? Oh, Viggo You forgot that uh, we forgot to mention that Viggo Mortensen does have a role in this film. There it is. That's yeah, you're right. He does have a Christopher Lambert <laughs> look to him. It's just like the goofiest type of bullying you can get like if there were children i thought it was really funny and then you know harrison ford gets out of the car and beats them up then he turns into but, indiana jones for a second yeah and goes back so to, he's gone yeah he shoots them both uh, uh but that scene with the ice cream i was like who who does why would you ruin your own ice cream with his face like you're supposed to be bullying this man and just gently touch his face with the ice cream then he breaks his nose and like what he should have done if Peter Weir was an auteur he should have made that guy suck the the gun James Franco in Spring Breakers style deep throating the right. gun in front of the Amish and the Amish children that's what an auteur would have done yeah point that's of view why, right that's why Peter Weir's forgotten yeah that's why he hasn't worked in 12 years maybe he's dead he maybe he live. died in 2011 how do you feel about the very emotional, very passionate kissing scene that happens? 
in the we obviously can't shoot a sex scene here, so I guess this passionately kissing is as, as X-rated as this movie's gonna get. Well, we saw some some breasts. She does show her breasts yeah. uh, at a certain point, and they are very spaced apart. They're basically yeah. under each of her armpits. And that's the kind of woman that Harrison Ford is going to sed- mildly seduce in this film. He does not sleep with her. They don't wind up together, which is kind of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a disappointment. It's a very will-they-won't-they they situation for the day. And they don't. Yeah. It's because the Amish don't wear bras, so her tits are, like, trying to run away from each other. Right, um, yeah. But, yeah, the end, uh, you get the typical of, you know, I'm going to I'm going to walk away and and then she turns around and then I'm going to turn around to look at her as she's turning around. And then he just walks away. Like, he's just like, all right. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, cool. And, then and that's it. Goes. It's kind of anticlimactic yeah. if I'm honest. But I, I will say that the third act with the three cops that do come to apprehend yeah. and kill Harrison Ford, that whole sequence is very good. And we do have a guy who is uh, killed via kernels of corn. And he really sells the death as something very painful and miserable, just drowning in He's kernels of corn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which they shot, like, they, they actually put him in one of those tanks and started dumping kernels of corn on him. And you can tell, you know, he's acting, but he's also having kernels of he corn looks... dropped on his body. <laughs> it's not comfortable. All that dust, too. Yeah, it looks the, very, yeah, yeah. disgusting. Very awful, yeah, let's let's check out this. You know, I was just watching uh, Cursed Films again. They were talking about how they did the Tin Man, and they just covered him in an aluminum paint, and it made his lungs collapse or something. His uh, body <laughs> started falling apart. <laughs> on uh, Wizard of Oz. On the Wizard of Oz, they blew up a couple of women yeah, they, on that movie. They, they probably just used whatever spray paint they had and just fucking spray they should have him mm-hmm. i can't the imagine snow, they had the snow that was in the yeah. field when they're falling asleep is asbestos <laughs> wonderful yeah. yeah look at this guy like that there's no way that's not he's unpleasant spitting. those are his actual no, like yeah. boogers and actual snot a hundred percent he's selling it he's doing a great job was he was he the guy who was in the bathroom who helped out danny glover because i feel like they just threw him in here at the end, and that's why he's uh, dispatched rather quickly. Also, I don't like Danny Glover as much when he doesn't have his handlebar mustache. Yeah, it's uh, like, what are you trying to do? It's it's weird. Are you trying to be like, even, he's not even looking at all. His hair is really bad. He should be bald. But I guess in this time, no one was bald, right? No. Around this time. No, you so held on to what speaks. you had. Who was bald in 1985? Billy Zane wasn't even famous yet, and he was doing a rug half the time. Who's bald in 1985? Not even Bruce Willis, right? He's still no. Bruce his... Willis had a, a, a more hair there than Danny Glover. Yeah, I guess the yeah they prefer a widow speak better than a I guess Nazi hair. Yeah, at that time maybe skinheads. I don't know. It wasn't really in style. They would prefer to have like a comb over or like a like a terrible widow speak than go bald, which is kind of weird to look back in. I think that's going to come back. I think it's going to come right back in fashion. Yeah. 
Try to get a skullet over here. Just, yeah, you could do <laughs> that. Just a ponytail. It'll take you a couple of months, but yeah. Head. Yeah. What do you? Where does this rank so, for you? Do you, I mean? What do you even think about Harrison Ford as an actor? Because sometimes I re, I feel like I really like him, and then other times I'm like he's he doesn't do as much as he probably needs to do in order to be somebody that I would consider like oh Harrison Ford's in this movie I got to check that out like I've seen him do the same kind of method of acting and, and performing as himself enough times where it's like all right I get the idea and it's not like a Jack Nicholson thing where I feel like you know he, he's unpredictable enough in every single role right. just as himself where he's going to bring something new to the equation each time yeah Han Solo I mean Han Solo <laughs> Han Solo <laughs> uh, um, Harrison Ford uh, has that um, what's his name the guy from the fly uh, Goldblum Yes, very much that where it's like that's what you're gonna get. You know, he's not he's gonna give you Harrison Ford. He's gonna play someone that's very charismatic, very likable. Uh, but I I couldn't imagine him playing a villain or a bad guy that's not just someone that's kind of grumpy but then kind-hearted. You know, which I've seen him play, but not that bad role. Uh, Je- I feel like Jeff Goldblum is someone that he's gonna give you a good performance, but you know exactly what you're gonna get from him, so he's never gonna surprise you. I think everything I've seen besides this movie uh, in Harrison Ford's career has been like a big either blockbuster or a big franchise movie where he's playing himself. So I I don't know if I have a, an educated opinion on his body of work unless that's pretty much all there is, you know. Hmm. Well... Off the top of my well, what 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 do you think is his best performance that you've seen him give? I would honestly, I and I was going on about this earlier. Just if I if I was hard pressed, off the top of my head, Mosquito Coast is uh, perhaps a career best for Harrison Ford. Uh, I mean, he's really good in Blade Runner, but he's playing a one note android right so no no they didn't do that for the sequel ridley scott's opinion there was meaningless it doesn't matter retcon (laughs) the fugitive he's very good at air Uh, force one get off my plane and then he punches gary oldman in the face with the plane door open hell yeah (laughs) cowboys and aliens i don't know oh god Uh, yeah that's right he was in that that was right after Indiana Jones 4, wasn't it? That was... It was Daniel Craig. I think John uh, yes. Favreau directed it right after he got bumped off of Iron Man. And they really tried to hype that up as a new franchise, and it did not work Alex Kurt, Kurtzman and Lindelof, those two writers. Um, yeah. Does he? I don't know. Every single thing they've ever done turns turns to hot garbage in the blink of an eye. Yeah. It's so it's, it always sounds promising because they they always grab like interesting properties but then they just then they squander it. Then they take it in the shit. exact direction you would never want it to go in. Who does uh, Harrison Ford play in Apocalypse Now? I don't even remember him in it. Isn't he a journalist? Is he one of the... Oh, is that what that is? I don't fucking remember him in it at all. So I was like, what's his performance in this? But I... 
I don't know. I guess Indiana Jones, that's his best performance, right? His most iconic character besides Sun Solo. I, again, I don't know his like independent or small movie, so I I couldn't tell you something that's not him playing How about himself. Six Days and Seven Nights? Don't even know what that is. What is that? That's him and Anne Heche, and that's where he has an earring for the first time. <laughs> oh, right. That's, Doesn't he have an earring in real life? Yeah, he, he did anyway. He's got one in the 90s. I think he still has one, maybe. You know, it's his Remember that uh, way of staying young. That video of uh, David Blaine doing magic or something in his in his kitchen. He was like, "The fuck out of here" or something. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he's old. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you think? I think you said yours, right? Already. Yeah, I, I'm going to stand by Mosquito Coast, although he is very good in Blade Runner. Mosquito Coast. What What about Working Girl? Is that a Melanie Griffith movie? What is that? Working Girl? Yeah. 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 Mike Nichols. Uh, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what his performance in that movie was like. He didn't... I was I was looking for... Because you know how whenever you look at a big actor's career, there's usually eight, six to eight to ten movies at the beginning of his career that are kind of unknown or very small or like, you know, things that they were doing for for friends or whatever. He doesn't really um, have that. Harrison it's, Ford's, no. What, American it's just like, where are your, is the first one. It's like, where are your interesting movies, you know? Where yeah. are your not huge property movies to see, you know, who you were before you were this huge star, but his first credit is in a movie called Journey to Shiloh, William Hale, starring James Caan and Michael Sarazin. That's a nobody. Um, yeah. When does when does when, when does he do like an actual verifiable hit? Uh, American Graffiti seventy three. And how long after that one you just named was that? Five years. That's pretty quick. That's a rapid, yeah. rapid rise. To and in between that, he did a Mod Squad episode. Oh, he wasn't credited. Hold on. He did uh, an episode of a show called My Friend Tony, the FBI series, Love American Style. Then a movie called Getting Straight. Hmm. Uh. Robert Kaufman with Elliot Gould and Candice Berggren. That's Murphy. Uh, and then after that, Bergen. Bergen. Well, yeah. And then after that, a TV movie called Intruders, and then two episodes of Gunsmoke before American Graffiti. So okay, he so really... he did put in a little bit of work, yeah. but he he had one of these trajectories where he was doing television before uh, he landed yeah. any sort of big feature role. Uh, and then he gets American Graffiti. He does Star Wars and Apocalypse Dynasty? Now. Was that big? Dynasty was a huge uh, TV show. TV, nighttime soap. Oh, okay. Well, he did the TV movie, apparently. from <laughs> <laughs> With, <laughs> With Stacey Keach. She's got a great cover. Let me show you. Hold on. Yeah, let's take a look at this. I wonder who's playing like a gay character, because look at this. <laughs> wait no no this is a different dynasty this is not dynasty the the, the tv soap oh. that was not oh james michener's <laughs> okay. dynasty cross-eyed uh, stacy keach and uh that woman 
So, yeah, that was what he was doing in between uh, American Graffiti and Star Wars. And then, you know, Star Wars in 78. So are we, are we trying to make the case here that Harrison Ford is not that dynamic of an actor? Yeah. I mean, he's not. Would you mm, would you say he's a bad actor? I have all right, so I have a difficult time outright saying he's a bad actor because I don't think. I, well, how do you categorize a bad actor here? Is it somebody who cannot hold a presence on screen, or is it someone who has limited range? Because he, I would yeah. say, he definitely has limited range as an actor. Yeah, but he does have a lot of presence on yeah. screen too. So. I guess it's a, he's a very Tom Hanks actor to me, where Tom Hanks has some interesting movies at the beginning of his career, but then once he had that w- one hit, it seems like every other one of his movies were just big movies where he's playing pretty much the same character. Uh, but he's, I mean, he does have a little bit of more Elvis? range, I think, at the beginning. But... What about where he plays a mole rat in Elvis? <laughs> what, what are you, I don't even... Pull up no, Google right Hanks? now as we talk about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Elvis. Have you not watched the trailer to the new Elvis movie? No. Oh, no. Oh, no, Buster. I think you mentioned this. I didn't know if he was playing this. Uh, he plays right. Colonel Tom something who is Elvis's manager and kind of... I wouldn't say he's responsible for Elvis's career falling apart. Oh, no, 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 don't, oh, don't, okay. don't, don't do that. We're going to get clipped with nope. copyright, just probably based off of that little what the snippet fuck is this? Um, is that Elvis? That's going to be Elvis, yeah. This is an actor who uh, previously was featured in the movie Yoga Hosers, directed by Kevin Smith. Wow, so they're going big budget on this. <laughs> uh, the, budget on, the, the budget on this looks, much, like for, for this type of film, looks fairly notable. Probably why, Northman size is my guess. Why is he like Puerto Rican? <laughs> was He's not Puerto like... Rican. It's listen. It's the tan. They gave him a little bit of a tan to match Elvis, and, and that's I, just how it looks. And, but his his name's Austin. Eyeliner. Oh wow, he's fucking fat and old now. Look at Tom. That's a prosthetic. That's Gee. all fake. That's that's a fake. Oh. Name. You got had. See, that's the the budget of the production speaking. It got me on this movie. I'm not gonna. Oh wow. It's Never a little mind. much. That looks terrible. Yeah. It looks so bad when there's light. Lighting is everything. Okay. And this was the problem with X. When you could see the old woman's facial prosthetic and body, and it was clearly silicone, that looked terrible. When she was hanging out in the dark. <laughs> oh, God. The bankers Why? from Harry Potter. What? I mean, that's not what I Googled, but let's not. Go <laughs> uh, I didn't even see that. Oh man! Uh, but yeah, uh, that's what it. What the fuck, dude? All right, so okay, it's already. I mean, Bass Lerman. It's already a questionable pick, no, I think, Bass for an is, Elvis biopic. Is, I, I think a very uh, fun pick for an Elvis biopic. I think if you're doing a Bowie biopic, yeah, an Elvis biopic. Uh, I don't know. I've, but you would uh, expect that for a Bowie bio. See, I what I, I guess, would like yeah. for if if they did a they, you know, hmm. actually you know what now that I'm thinking about it no I don't know if it would be interesting to go in the opposite direction like have you have you ever seen uh, the movie Control 
I cannot remember the director's name off the top of my head, but that's about Ian Curtis, the lead singer of Joy Division. And it is exquisitely okay. done. Uh, it's a very depressing movie about how... Corbin, Corbin, Corbin. Yeah, I don't think he's like a big director. Uh, but he directed that film in 2013, I believe it was. And it's a, a very well shot black and white biopic that takes place in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, about the lead singer of Joy Division, how he's just miserable with his success and his life and his wife. Not, he, it, I don't even think it's his wife, just the mother of his children. And he's like, I'm, I'm just fucking, I'm so fed up with this. And he goes and hangs himself. And that's just the, the movie. Um, oh, wow. You know what's a biopic that I watched recently that I really enjoyed that you mentioned on an episode that we just recorded with uh, Jake Hammerhand? Uh, Lords of Chaos. And I've yeah. never seen that before. Yeah. And uh, I kind of knew uh, the story of Mayhem, sort of, because uh, growing up here, uh, if you like anything close to metal, like you get thrown into the, you know, well, now you like, you like, uh, whatever, I don't know, Black Dahlia Murder, but how about you listen to the real metal and then they start telling you stories about this fucking Norwegian band that did a bunch of stupid shit. And you're just like, all right, that yeah. sounds stupid. Like that always, that's always sounded stupid to me. But, uh, I, I remember you mentioned Kieran Culkin, and then you said that the guy that was playing Barg was like this, like round nose, like soft, <laughs> weird. Like I was like, all right, that sounds funny. Especially, I'm not, a, I'm not very familiar with, or I wasn't very familiar with Varg before this. Kind of know a little bit about him, but the fact that they did that, I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. I was very surprised with how fucking gory that movie is, how graphic yeah. everything is and how they just show everything and just happening in like real time. Uh, that was great. I don't know how close it is to the to the real story, but that was very enjoyable and I was very surprised by by that. We did a show on that. Uh, that's like episode 28 of the movies. I did a show on Lords of Chaos with Jerry because Jerry is obviously big into black metal and was very well versed on the lore there with mayhem and, and the creation of Burzum and how that conflict started. So I, I checked this movie out. Um, I don't remember why I think it was just playing at the Brattle theater in Cambridge, which is a revival theater. It's an art house theater in Boston. And I was uh, just chilling at a hotel in Boston for the weekend. I was like, I've seen enough posters for this movie. I'm vaguely familiar with, uh, Mayhem and Burzum and, and I didn't really know anything about Vard. I knew that he had a YouTube channel and that he did videos <laughs> out on his farm in like France or somewhere. So I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. Um, and I sh showed up to it and I, the same way that I feel about Lords of Chaos is the same way I feel about House of Gucci, which is that it's just entertaining and it does what yeah. it needs to do as a film and it's not too respectful of its subject, which I think is a, you know, if you take a look at a movie like King Richard, it is produced by the Williams sisters. So you're only going to get a certain kind of uh, narrative with that. Uh, that's not going to be too unflattering. And I think Lords of Chaos does a good job of making everyone look like uh, phonies and posers and, and just stupid young people because they were, they were 17, 18, 19 years exactly, old. Yeah. And that's why I'm not interested in watching that that will smith movie because it's like i don't i don't like if you're not going to show me reality of what happened no matter how shitty it is and if they're the ones producing it will be like watching a 
a Michael Jackson biopic uh, produced by his dad, you know? Sure. It's like, oh, well, we're not going to fucking get the real story, so why would I watch it? Yeah. Now, I, look, for the King Richard movie, they do make him out to be as much of an asshole as he is, uh, you know, a hero or whatever. But it still works out in the end, obviously. Right. So uh, with Lords of Chaos, and I rewatched that as well the night I got back from the Northmen because I was just, I guess I was in a Norwegian mood, you know, because they <laughs> bought into that shit. I mean, Varg, especially Hook, Line, and Sinker. And um, when I had went to see this movie at the theater in 2018, I believe it was, I had already seen Jonas Ackerlin's other movie that was released that year which was maybe my worst film that I saw that year, which was Polar with Mads Mikkelsen that went direct to Netflix. I hated that movie so much. Um, So I I was already on the fence. But he had done a movie, I think, that was called Spun in the early aughts. That was uh, not a bad film. And um, as a music video director, he's, he's pretty stylish. Also, he's from that scene. Uh, He was in Bathory. For a period of time. Oh, okay. Which is another it's great from band. Stockholm. Yeah. yeah. He was not in it for long, but yeah. And uh, I think the overall characterizations in Lords of Chaos uh, make it a very enjoyable film to watch. Uh, it's only gotten better, in my opinion, the, the more I've watched it since. And yeah. the entire scene is also just interesting to dig into to get like the real historical facts of what happened there there's a uh, memoir uh that's out uh, maybe no it ain't really a memoir it's just a non-fiction account from a journalist who was a fucking liar and made up a whole bunch of shit it was called lords of chaos i believe um okay. and it is full of nonsense they very clearly paint varg and other people to be uh more out there than they actually are like if you check out any uh, interviews with any of these people, you can tell that they are not all there, but they're not yeah. in the way that is portrayed in the book, not not the way they're that it's portrayed in the book. Yeah, yeah. And there's also right. another documentary called, I think, "Till the Light Takes Us," which is fine, okay. but it's not great. After watching this, uh, I started looking because I was interested in seeing what they actually. I, it's something that I always check when whenever there's a biopic done about some someone that i don't know i like comparing the actors as they get to the to the real people and like those old photos and and how that was a such a big element from that movie like their image and and uh and how they kind of built that together uh i like that they recreated some of the old photos that they did but then i started looking into the members that are still alive and uh Nick Necro Butcher, who was the the bass player that leaves the band at the beginning when when he gets the necklace and he's just like, what the fuck? Uh, he wrote a book called The Death Archives, uh, where he where he's the first uh, account of the story told by their point of view, like someone that was actually in it. And I immediately went to Amazon, like added it to my card, and I was like, this sounds interesting. Even though I don't care, like I, I don't hate the music, uh, but that style of music is. It's kind of repetitive and in like not a good way, even though I do like some music that's very repetitive. But I get sick of it very quickly. But that whole story, that whole scene, that whole thing that happened there in this very isolated part of the world where, you know, law, it's, it's like there, but it's very, very rustic, very like 
oldie time, not very modern. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, nowhere in Norway, and then it was just, was just born there by this bunch of crazy people. I kind kind of interesting to see, like you said, um, everything that they were able to get away with, and also how real everything was too. Because the way it's presented here in Lords of Chaos, yeah, it's it's all goofy, and everyone's just like a shithead young person that's trying to belong to something right and this is the thing where we've been accepted so we're just going to push the boundaries and and then you have this bar guy i i didn't read anything about his reaction to it i'm sure his reaction to it was probably not positive i don't think he saw the because, movie but he also released oh, okay a review of the movie and he says he didn't watch oh. it but he put it out th- and he talked about it at length um the day that it came out uh on the east coast anyway uh, there was like a three-part. His whole YouTube channel has been deleted, unfortunately, and it wasn't. There wasn't anything inappropriate, but it was just during that time where YouTube was making the switch over to what it would become around like 2017 or so, 2017, 2018, when they clamped down. They deleted a whole bunch of channels. Um, he oh, yeah. was somebody who got clipped in that time. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm really interested in in read about source. So I got that book to see. What's up? It's called. Well, it's probably the most accurate medium. account, unless that dude is a pathological liar. Um, well, that's what the review said. That's the thing. It's like finally, finally, someone in the band talks or whatever, because it's uh, the reason why, or uh, the reason why he said he was writing it is because he he's seen a lot of journalists throw shit and say a lot of things that weren't real or like the, the their their side of the story without knowing anything about it. So he wanted to just be like, well, here's. You know the the real account of what happened, but that movie uh, it's just it's just really fun to watch. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know that it's gonna end bad, uh, even if you're not familiar with their story, because right from the beginning, he the narrator kind of tells you that you know it's not it's not gonna end, end great, but this is how it's it starts, and it's a movie that that uh, uh, it starts with them just being silly and goofy with with this dead dead or was it dead, dead but dead was his name. dead yeah when By he just Jack shows up and he's like oh, yeah the the fucking rad crucified or whatever is like oh this guy's cool and then he shows up and he's actually fucked up like really fucked in the head um i don't know that 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 uh and i guess we go back to the flawed protagonist right it's so much more interesting to look at this shithead kids you know in a world that doesn't understand them in a world that they don't really belong in and then I guess they force themselves into it by doing a lot of really stupid shit, uh, to like the cutting your, your wrists on each stage other. and then having to go out for fucking pizza immediately <laughs> after with a giant, giant like duct tape, tape cast, or trying to prevent the <laughs> yeah. blood from coming out so you don't die. Uh, yeah, that that's all very fun and interesting. Um, uh, what do you think about May? I mean, it's kind of hard to get any sort of good quality recording of the mayhem tracks from that era it all sounds like you're listening to it in a tin can it's rough uh but what do you have any opinion on that or on burzum or any of those bands well you you also have that scene where they're recording uh, burzum's first album and vark says uh i only want one microphone in the middle of the room and someone in the scene it's like that's gonna sound like shit and he's like that's the point so it's not even i guess their point was not even to make clear good sounding music it was more to you know put their noise out um i don't mind it uh but i have to be really in the mood to listen to it uh 
this type of music I used to listen to a lot when I was in my early 20s. Just like screamy, uh, hard metal shit. But I don't know. I grew tired of it as I was getting older. And I started discovering other uh, genres of music. More like weirder, more experimental shit. So nowadays, like watching the movie, I was like, this sounds cool. Let's go listen to it. And I did listen to it afterwards. But it's, you know, it's not really my my type of music that i would listen to every day it has to be like in a bad mood or something yeah <laughs> I, well burzum is not really but burzum is much more mellow kind of ambient laid back i i much prefer burzum to mayhem. mayhem and as far as black metal or or anything like that goes i don't know if mayhem's a strong favorite of mine in er, any era yeah. they're still going with like a bunch of new members that have nothing oh, to yeah. do with that they just <laughs> bought the name yeah, it's like, why? Who's, I guess, I don't know. Who's going to to see that? It's like going to see, uh, what is it, Journey? With that Filipino guy? And yeah, like, oh, but at least, you, like, if you're going to Journey, you're still going to have, like, some of the members that were there to, be, I would assume, anyway, some of the members there to begin with. Whereas Mayhem, it's the, just like, it's a variation of it, a variation. Is it no one from the original? Like, not even the drummers? There? I have no idea. I'm not... I'm not really a big fan of Journey. Okay, no, no, on on Mayhem. So, Necro Butcher, who's the bass player, he's still in it. And then Hellhammer, who was the original drummer, he's in it too. Well, not the original one, the second drummer. So I guess there's two, the two one and living members are still there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They should do a sequel. I think they got to do a sequel on Varg. Doing music from prison and then getting out—that's what they need. And get, marrying you? an autistic woman and having a bunch of children—is that what happened? That is exactly what happened. So uh, there was a, a fun little uh, law or whatever, which is a life sentence is uh, whatever your age is at the time times two, right? Okay. Or no, no, no. It's just whatever your age is at the time. So he was 17, 18, 19 when he got locked up. So he got out in 2014, 2013. When? 2013, after doing 21 years in prison. Okay. And so he immediately got out, met a blonde woman out in the countryside. I think he maybe purchased some land or just assumed some land. And, uh, you know, started a farm, had some kids. And now he tweets from a burner account on Twitter talking about foreskin and mixed jeans and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, that's also he assumes like Gandalf the White, you know, that's his <laughs> that's his, I think, Twitter handle Thulean Perspective was his YouTube channel. Nice. He's so very big he wrote... on Norse and, and all that. So he wrote a book to defend himself against media. Against the media in jail. So it's just like, what, like a manifesto called Varg Small? I don't know. Uh, he na- claims. As of 1999, hold on. As of 1999, Varg Small was being sold by the Nazi organization Heathen Front via its website. So that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's like a good crowd to be well, what is he going to get, Simon yeah. and Schuster to put his book out? Look, sometimes <laughs> you get a Penguin settle. Classics. Bar <laughs> 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 you have a Penguin Classics cover in a very uh, 
very low key, just like a little Nazi flag of a little boy. Uh, but he's here's yeah, the I thing: mean, he's not a Nazi, though. That, that's a, that's what a, he is a white supremacist. It's but he's a, not. It's, a, he's got his beliefs are like his beliefs are like Anthony Cumia. Yeah, aesthetics. It's baked into a, a lot of just uh, silly shit. But yeah, he's still seven racist, kids? but he's not. He's got seven children. Jesus, fuck. Okay. Is there a VAR junior? Wow. Or is that information not out there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, his name is Christian, right? Right, yeah. The Count. Griffey, Grishna. That was such a funny scene where when the journalist shows up and he's like, Griffey, Grishnak. He's like, what? He's like, Griffey, Grishnak. He's like, what are you talking to? He's like, the Count. I'm the Count. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was, uh, the, the, the tone of the movie was perfect, especially for presenting such a ridiculous fucking group of people. Eight children, never mind. Yeah, no, I don't think their names are out. He's uh, been very busy in that time. He, I don't know if he's put that... out any new music. I think Burzum's over. He, he said Burzum was done a year or two after he got out of prison. Isn't it crazy that you kill someone by stabbing them like 20 times, right? It was a, or like eight times. It was like a ridiculous number it twice in the self head. self-defense. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, well, 21 years of prison. You're, you can go free now. He's like OJ now. Like he's free, right? Completely. 100%. Like nothing. What? Who, who cares? What happened? That was part of my well, life. OJ was Never innocent. Who cares? That's the difference. Right. That's what you're forgetting here. Yeah. That was slander. Right. Uh, now, as far as VAR goes, look, 21 times maybe is not that unreasonable get, if, depending on the size the of the knife. Should get Vargan movies to talk about Lords of Chaos. I've tried reaching out to Vard. <laughs> not for Don't this, but ju- I, wanted to see, I wanted to see if we no, could get some Burzum no. on the soundtrack for, uh, oh, for Mass State Lottery, but there's nothing that isn't already tied up with a record company elsewhere that would cost an arm and a leg. Uh, unfortunately, he owns some of his other music, but a good chunk of what's popular is uh, tied up with somebody. I'd be down. Uh, we could get Varg on to talk about that film. I, I would just be a matter of finding his email address. And then we'd, you know, it really depends on how this Elon Musk Twitter thing goes. Because I feel like if that actually does go through, and it might not go through, don't celebrate just yet, all you people on Twitter thinking, ah, oh, Finally, some ch- no. After six months, if the if the deal is sealed, we'll see some change. We're already seeing changes. Twenty four hours, forty eight hours after they said, "All right, we'll take that deal," because I I've been noticing as well. Certain people have had much more of a presence on Twitter in terms of popularity, and uh, you know you've had left wing celebrities crying about their bot followers getting deleted, like sixty thousand people from David Hogg or or whoever. Uh, James Woods is suddenly like growing in in follower count. Tucker Carlson is back on Twitter and growing in follower count, and it's all I've verifiable got, I've stuff. One, not one. <laughs> like I told you, like our shit is not going to change at all. I don't We're know. Hey, listen. Enough. Here's what I here's what I did notice, and this is what was kind of surprising. I went up ten followers in a day, and I didn't get notified of a single one. I was like, boy, I wonder when I'll cross into the 1300 t- oh i already did 
and the day before it was like <laughs> one nine it was one two nine six or something and now it's one three oh six that's weird at low res wb on twitter i don't know what the, what happened there i think a lot of accounts got locked up for political reasons maybe maybe all your accounts are gonna come back there might just be nine hanses that pop up one day <laughs> Might be able to use my name on Twitter again. All those unflattering know. tweets you sent to Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton are going to be resurfaced. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get canceled for calling David Hogg a shithead or something. Yeah. Something along those lines. So, it, I don't know. I think it could be interesting to see what starts to unfold there. But I have definitely noticed the difference in Twitter now. And nothing has really happened. They're just kind of preparing for that that full-on takeover right yeah that's not good varg you don't want to get varg <laughs> you wouldn't not... want to talk to varg well he's not going to talk about this movie because he'll talk about the movie but it, right? he'll just you already know what he's going to say he's going to have a problem with who was cast with oh, where they were getting what? the information that's, from that's perfect casting what do you mean varg what do you mean? What was your name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that just ruined it. We're never getting Varg now. God damn! Mm. I made fun of his. I made fun of his creepy name. Well, oh, you, let, let me ask you I, I, this. Let me ask you this. Now that this is like a, a co-opted Lords of Chaos show, <laughs> I should just cut yeah. this in two. Uh, what do you do? You think that Varg was acting out of self-preservation by doing that, or do you think he? He told himself that and went through with it so he could have that as something he did under his belt. Uh, oof, that's It's difficult to say because of everything they had pulled before that would point you into the direction of, you know, we've burned churches. What will be the next step? What will make me infamous? Uh, and killing the image of the band, which was, what was his name? Androgynous was his name? Euronymous. Yeah. By the way, if you take a look at the real Euronymous, uh, casting, what was his name? Rory Culkin as Euronymous yeah. is a pretty flattering uh, uh, upgrade because this was a very little guy. He was a very small, micro guy, this Euronymous. He does not seem like he would be that difficult to kill if you had to kill someone, stab him 21 times. Little man. This. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's Brian Peppers. Yeah. So imagine this little five foot three guy in white face paint. That's it's just goofy. It's just funny. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's great. It's uh when it comes to biopics that present themselves as serious but it's difficult to take them seriously. I think it does a really good job of of juggling those two um positions of you know they're completely uh immersed into this world where some of them don't even know that it's not real like the kid that stabbed the gay old man uh and he's just like yeah i just stabbed the man or, or whatever like they they were now, living you, in a he, different you think reality that was really more in real life a cruising situation where he slept with a guy and then was like oh, oh yeah i'm gonna kill this oh yeah now. yeah well there's a familiarity between them right where he f first see him, sees him and then he's kind of like, oh. And then he takes, he chugs the beer and then he gets close to him from behind him and talks to him in a very familiar way. So 
I think it's implied that he was, you know, what what are the the British called dogging in parking lots? <laughs> dogging. What, is, what does this term dogging mean? You, you've never heard of dogging? Uh, so in now. in the UK there was a thing. I think there's a couple of documentaries about it too. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember exactly uh, 100% what it is, but dogging, uh, people will go into like parking lots and fuck like someone else's wife or someone's wife there and people will watch as they do that. It's something something related to that and that became like a thing in the UK where people are getting in trouble because they were going dogging into like a Walmart parking lot and shit. I might be making that up, but <laughs> but I think it was something related to that, yeah. That sounds like a, a fun Saturday night. Dogging. Well, I just was getting the vibe he was trying to pick up this dude. That's all. I didn't I didn't see any dogging <laughs> situation coming about in his. Yeah. It so, says here yeah. it's a slang term for engaging in sexual acts in public or semi public place or watching others doing so. Uh in September 2003, BBC News reported on the new dogging craze. <laughs> they cite, uh, cited the internet and text messaging as common ways of organizing meetings, uh, spying on couples having sex in a car or other public place. Can you imagine just you get out of your house, you go into the store, and then the park across the street is just ten men jerking off around the car. There's just <laughs> it's one of those dirty theaters where there's a bunch of dudes that link up and fuck some woman. Yeah. It's just sticky floors and Yeah, so Sounds that's great. That's but I think I, I do think that that was implied in that because it's very random for especially for someone to approach uh, a kid that's dressed in such a threatening manner. Especially in those days where that this wasn't even a thing yet, right? It was a it was a new scene that they were pretty much creating there. So it's not like now where you see someone like that, you're kinda of like, all right, this guy's kind of kind of goofy, let's kind of not approach, especially if you're gonna if you want to do gay things to them, you know. I don't think I don't think you would approach a man that looks like that. Uh but then, you know, it was very, very innocent, very new, so yeah, that, that's probably what happened. He was, he was probably not the, not the first time that he made out with an old old man or, no, or probably more. Not. And then, yeah. Well, yeah. Is he out of prison? My assumption is he's probably out of prison by now as well, if the probably, same laws yeah. apply, right? So uh, maybe maybe he'll write a memoir. Also, if I recall correctly, the the real uh, incident that occurred there was not made known to Euronymous or Varg. I could I could what, be getting that wrong, stabbing? but the murder, yeah, the murder that guy committed, I think, was not as related to what they were up to as what was implied in the movie. No, he tells well, oh, in the real story, it, right, in real life, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay, yeah, because in the movie they do, like he tells them in the record store, he just goes, yeah, I killed them when they see the news report or whatever, mm. and then androgynous goes wild about it. Yeah. Yeah, he starts hooping and hollering because there's a <laughs> Yeah. I think um, making the decision of showing Dad's death in such a graphic way at the beginning, it's a really great setup for all the violence that you'll see and, and a really great way of setting up the fact that these are just young, like, dumb kids that are way too deep into something that they don't even know could be dangerous to them because they're pretending to be that. 
And then you have someone like this dead guy who actually meant all of it. And then all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, it's slit my wrist, slit my neck and then, or my throat and then blow his brains up. Uh, it's very it's, it's a really good setup. Very for, dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know that that's how the death happened. I had seen the cover uh, for that album before, but I didn't think it was real, obviously, because it's a fucking cover of a CD um, <clears throat> or an album. But I wasn't expecting that at all. I, I just, you know, he started s- 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 slicing his wrists. I was like, well, he's probably dreaming this. Or he's probably having like a manic episode or whatever. Someone's going to come and save him. And then he slices his, thro- his throat and just like, oh, uh, all right. Well, he's still he's still there. And the phone rings and he sees that. And, and, you know, he's kind of wanting to say something, but he can't. And then he grabs the shotgun and blows his brains out. He's just like, oh, Jesus. All right. So he is fucking dead. Uh, and setting that up right at the beginning and his reaction to it, I think, was a great setup for what you get for the rest of the movie, which is a comedy. I, I kind of. I yeah. would say it's. A, I think I would say it's a comedy, even though it's presented in a non-comedic way. But everything is so ridiculous that it makes it funny. You know. Yeah. I, I don't think he was he was doing like tongue in cheek or like anything was like jokey or anything like that. Everything was presented as like this, these guys really believe all of this bullshit, you know. Uh, so that that worked really well for me. And it was when it comes to biopics, like I one that I've enjoyed the most for for a while, even if you know, like we said, the, I don't know about the accuracy of it of how things happen. Well, it, I would I would give it like a sixty five seventy percent score in terms of accuracy, mm-hmm. from what I know anyway. Uh, I, I wish that the Foxcatcher movie took the tone of Lords of Chaos. I think oh, that yeah. would have been a slam dunk if they had done that, especially with the cast that they had. If they took that same kind of, let's do it, let's play it half comedy, half serious, fully stylized, and we're not going to worry boundaries. too much about offending whoever's still alive from that. That move, that was the biggest problem I had with that movie, that okay, so are you going to show what happened or are you just going to imply it? And they didn't really go hard enough for the type of scandal that it was, I think. It was very, like, mid. Like, very, like, oh. It, it's like doing the Sandusky uh, thing and then barely showing what actually happened, you know? I'm not, right. I'm not saying... There's so I'm, much crazy, I'm, funny shit in the Foxcatcher yeah. book that the... Oh, God. I, it, the actual guy's name who wrote the... The book is escaping me, but the character that Channing Tatum plays in the movie, he wrote the uh, account of that, and yeah. it is hysterical, and it's not supposed to be hysterical, just how blind they were to what was happening, what the the guy had um, arranged for himself. Mark Schultz. Just... Mark Schultz? Mark Schultz? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. His brother was... Um, the Mark Ruffalo character, who, Dave, who, Schultz. Dave Schultz, who gets killed. Um, it's a trip. It's fun. It's a funny. Well, book. that that Dupont character is so interesting too. Yeah, he's such a fucking crazy man, and here is just Steve Carell with makeup, and he speaks kind of weird. He doesn't sound he doesn't like really... the real guy. He doesn't act like him. They tried to do. They made him into a creepy. 80s style pedophile coach guy yeah. instead of anything resembling the real dude. 
There's a Netflix documentary that features footage that he commissioned um, that was shot around the Fox Catcher estate, and you get a much better picture of who this guy was. You should have had like um, somebody who's more of like an Alan Fick style actor would have been good for that role. Steve Carell probably could have pulled it off if he was playing something a little closer to reality. Uh, and it's just a very unfortunate case where they squandered that material. Hopefully someone else. I would I would like to do that, but that would be a huge budget. That would that would take an enormous amount of money to pull off just because of the wealth that's represented in that story. Right. I didn't know that he was... Uh, he won the Best Director at Cannes Film Festival. Who, Bennett Did Miller? Did Oscars? Uh, Foxcatcher, yeah. That was Bennett Miller, right? Who who wrote yeah, and directed yeah, yeah. that? I didn't Did, know he. Uh, I didn't know he won any awards. No, uh, Carell got a nomination. That was about it, Ruffalo. though. Ruffalo got a nomination too, uh, and Best Director Oscar nominated. But that was the extent. Yeah, of it. It, it was kind nominated of for the Palm Door too. That's ridiculous. Which is a very hit or miss list too if you look at the winners of that mm-hmm. list it's kind of depending on who the uh, judges are uh, just a forgettable uh, tens film that's his last movie right Ben Miller's last movie Foxcatcher I believe yeah he's just one of those guys who, oh. who popped up and disappeared right what, what, what has he done since Nothing. He was announced for a Christmas Carol movie. That's exciting. Wow, I got to see Bennett That's... Miller's A Christmas Carol. <laughs> That's what my 2022 is lacking. I mean, it doesn't even have a year listed. Because so it ain't happening. Something that, he's, yeah. he's on drugs somewhere, probably asleep. He's done. And, and like, he's... Filmography is not bad. You have Capote, Moneyball... Foxcatcher, Moneyball, Money so void of any character. That's it. That's the same deal yeah. as Foxcatcher. I haven't seen Capote. I've heard good things, but I, I also remember heard good things about Capote, Foxcatcher. But, yeah, Capote, but Capote was 2005, so I'm sure my criteria has changed in six, seventeen years. Uh, Who has more style, Bennett Miller or Peter Weir? I'll answer uh, that. Peter Weir. Yep. There you go. <laughs> that's that's not a true, but his brother. You know who uh, Bennett Miller's brother's name is? Uh, Theodore Miller, and he produced Some Beavers. Have you seen Some Beavers? Wow, what a completely different trajectory <laughs> to take. <laughs> no, I have, have not. Have you seen Some but Beavers? I saw the, I saw the, was that the one with Bill Burr in it? With, oh shit! Was yes. Yeah, he does a, a role. I saw movie. this. Yeah, I remember seeing this. It was one of those um, when when they tried to revive uh, Piranha and and uh, you know horror movies in the lake or monster in the lake type of thing. Mm-hmm. But th- this one didn't really. It was very silly, very goofy. Didn't take itself seriously at all. It was fine. But yeah, that's his brother produced that and then produced. Uh, the Cruise, which is Ben Miller's first movie or documentary. And I don't know what we're talking about, Bennett Miller. Forgettable directors. He fits the criteria of that almost certainly. 
Uh, yeah. What'd you say? He produced the Croods? No, the Croods is Ben and Miller's first documentary movie thing. Not the Croods. That would he would be rich if he produced the Croods. <laughs> yeah, I wish right. I produced the Croods. Disappear. Fuck. Remember when that came out? The first trailer. It's like no one's gonna watch a, a, a Nicolas Cage movie about cavemen. Who was whatever? And then he just made a ton of money. Yeah. I think there's like two more or something, or like a series and. Anyway. DreamWorks, right? Yeah. We don't have to get into Crude's territory. That's probably a side of the show the over. That's my opinion. You don't want to do, you don't want to do a Crude's retrospective? <laughs> I don't know. Listen. All right. I, I, is there any other thoughts you had about uh, Witness, Witness that we did not express since we did a 30-minute trip on uh, uh, Lords of Chaos? I think it, it's a... Re- it's a really interesting movie to watch if you are not familiar. Jesus, hold on. If you're not familiar with Harrison Ford's career outside of blockbusters like me, it's really interesting because it's a very this was small a blockbuster. Movie. Hold on. Let's take a look real quick. Just real quick. How much did Indiana Jones 3 make compared to this movie? Because that was the one where they stopped. They said, okay, no more. We're going to give it to Sean Patrick Flannery, future boondock saint and a star of USA's The Dead Zone. He's going to be our new Indiana right. Jones. So, according to Box Office Mojo, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade made $197 million. Yowza. Okay, so it did make more money. What was the budget, though? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. Oh, uh, budget forty-eight million. Mm. Mm. I don't know. This was a twelve million dollar movie that made, I think, one hundred and twenty-five million. Witness made sixty-eight million, and it doesn't say the budget. So no, it wasn't a. What I mean by small movie is that there's very limited cast. there's only well, I guess Kelly McGillis was a star at the time, right? She still was kind of good looking. Yeah, uh, she's from Top Gun, right? Before yes, she completely. Right. Oh, fell another apart. unfortunate instance of that. Her and Bridget Fonda. Yeah, uh, Lucas Haas was very early in his career, right? I, I'm I'm assuming because he looks like Little Fievel. I think this He's is his first his ears. movie. Uh, or maybe not his first movie, but his like first movie where he became a known quantity a child. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, Harrison Ford plays a character that you're not used to because he's not much of a hero, even though he plays a cop. Uh, he just seeing him trying to adapt to that different Amish life is different than seeing Han Solo always being cool. Or Indiana Jones always being cool under pressure or whatever. Here is more of a more of a, a low key performance, I that think. Hat yeah, and that kind dress of dress shirt and those pants. Yeah, he looks like a dork that in this suit, movie. <laughs> that suit that doesn't fit him that they made him wear because they doesn't they don't have clothes for for a tall man. Any anytime he's required to wear something that that's like very flamboyant like that, he always looks like when someone dresses up a dog, and you see the dog's face and it's just kind of a. <laughs> bewildered i don't know why I, I, I can't feel i can't stiff. move my limbs right yeah that's that's harrison ford in this movie that's exactly what you posted on twitter today of him yeah in that amish outfit 
Yeah, because he... Well, I mean, those clothes look like the worst thing to... Amish clothes, I think, compared to uh, England in, like, the times of the plague where everyone would wear, like, six, seven layers of shit on top of other shit, and it was all... Or it all looks uncomfortable... That's what Amish people clothes look to me. I love wearing wearing shorts at home. I can't imagine look, wearing those itchy looking clothes <laughs> that they wear. So I'm with him. I think. I think if if I was dressed like an Amish in the movie, I probably also walk like a Lego man. Just like I don't want to <laughs> yeah. touch anything because it's it's itchy. Um, but but I think it's an interesting movie in his filmography, especially because he doesn't have many of these. You know, he doesn't have many many low key. Uh, Small budget movies like this one, like we like we saw most of his career, is just gigantic movies. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the film. Uh, it did not wear out its welcome for me, even if um, I think it just maybe I'm wrong about this. It ekes over the two hour mark, and it does feel a little stretched in places. You know, you, they could have made it a little trimmer, but it's it's uh, yeah, one fifty. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a harmless film. Uh, I yeah. enjoyed it, but I also understand why it maybe has not been remembered. I think the box office and also the fact that it was so critically well-received is a little preposterous, um, but it's, again, it's not a bad film. I, I, I would just rate it right in the, the middle, especially for, I mean, yeah. for the 1980s, there's not a whole lot outside of those blockbusters that people think about or go back to, and that's that's the big thing. Uh, this is... Uh, Maybe what is this? A mid-budget film for 1985, 12 million dollars. It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. consider what what the worth of that might have been uh, for a company like was this Warner Brothers who put it out? Uh, that's a good question. I think if you like Lorenzo's oil, uh, you'll enjoy. <laughs> that's a that's a killer recommendation. <laughs> if you like Lorenzo's oil, yeah. Uh, Paramount Pictures. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Lorenzo's Oil, uh, but I've seen enough of it to know that it at least kind of looks like this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's about some hor- horrible uh, illness that some child has, right? Where he mm. like shits oil or something. <laughs> or he needs some oil. To no, there's a child in a town who's shitting oil, and they use him to become yeah. wealthy, to re- repopulate uh, the wealth of the town, really put it on the map. That Lorenzo and his oil. It's a good movie. So if you like Lorenzo's oil, <laughs> go, go search. Where did you see Witness? When did I see Witness? Where? Where? Oh, on where, HBO where Max. You... It's on HBO Max. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so. Lores.com slash HBO Max promo code. Surfshark. Uh, I, I get to yes. add in these pre-records and editing. That's all. Patreon.com slash Lores. H word name on Twitter. Uh, That's, I think that's the show for this week. So would you recommend it? I think you'd recommend it. Barely, right? Yeah. I think six out of 10, like you said. Sure. Five, five, six out of 10. Kind of like the Batman. (laughs) (laughs) You like the Batman. Kind of like the Batman. If you like the Batman, uh, go that's watch a good Witness. double feature. If you got HBO Max, is the Batman and Witness. Yeah, yeah that's. By the way, uh, the Batman keeps souring in my head more and more. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I haven't rewatched it just because I think if I do, I'm just gonna hate it. So I'm just kind of like, all right, I'll I'll read opinions from people and be like, ah, oh, maybe ah, uh, I don't know. But I'll just I think I'm just gonna leave it at that, not rewatch it for that same reason. I, I was excited to go back and rewatch it the week after I saw it in the theater because um, I I was eagerly awaiting it coming up on HBO Max, and now I just can't be bothered. I because I know. You haven't seen it? No, I haven't rewatched it since, uh, and I I probably won't for a little bit because I already know what I'm going to be staring at and what's going to be the bother to me, which is really that last half. Hour. And I, you know, they announced. I don't know if you paid attention to any of the CinemaCon stuff, which I think has been kind of interesting. There were a lot of big announcements for movies. It kind of feels like movies might be surviving. I, I mean, could be coming back a little bit. You know, um, seems like they're not as hardcore and peddling ideology in, in many of these films, but I don't know if the superhero genre is exempt from that. Uh, but they showed some footage from the Flash movie. They showed some footage from all the DC movies. From Michael Salem's Keaton's Lot. The Flash? Yes, Michael, yes, now Michael Keaton. Now it's probably going to be, right? Now it's it, Michael Keaton's The Flash, because who is Sarsar Miller? Who? That's ooh, Miller. The Flash is not even in the Flash movie at all because he's been beating women up all mm. over the world. He's <laughs> taken down about three or four women at this rate, and maybe one or two men, and they don't seem to to have a, a solution to this. They don't know what to do with yeah. this situation. Uh, he's clearly an alcoholic and probably addicted to drugs, and he probably has some mental illness, and he loves dressing up as a woman. So it's just a, a very imposing figure. If you go out to karaoke, you see this tall, lanky man wearing a dress and lipstick and white face paint. No, it's not the Joker. It's just Ezra Miller on a bender. Beware. Yeah. Lock your hotel room door. Don't answer the door <laughs> unless it's room service. Because he will come after you even after last call. Yeah. So that's Allegedly. the Flash movie. That'll be great. <laughs> Um, Flash 2 starring Grant Gustin from the television series will be even better. You know what? That's what they... Fuck it. Why not? Who cares? Does anyone care? Who cares? Does, is anyone excited about Ezra Miller? Who cares? Just get that guy. Where are the Ezra Miller and... fans? I see people coming out of the woodwork to defend Johnny Depp all the time. Ezra yeah. Miller does not have that same fandom. So you know what? I say give it to Grant Gustin. He's not a bad actor. He deserves something a little better than a CW series. He's wholesome. He's got a nice, happy, kind boy face. You know, that's he's what you a, want for the Flash. A, he's got a very Canadian energy to him for whatever reason. Very like sure. Canadian, good, good boy. Why not? Why, who cares anyway about that universe anymore? The only reason why anyone's excited about these Flash movies is because Michael Keaton. Because Michael be Keaton's back. Literally. Who cares about anything else that happens? So why not? You know, maybe Grant Gustin punches this other Flash because he sees him attacking a female. And then there you go. There's <laughs> yes, your they hero. go to the karaoke <laughs> bar and stop Ezra Miller yeah. from attacking women. And so he can yeah. con contain himself uh, and the role of the Flash. Well, yeah. so they, they had that. They had the, the Salem's Lot remake, readaption that Gary... Oh, God, I hate that Gary Dauberman is going to be the guy doing that. Um, there's been a lot of for, for what who is it a movie or a streaming it's a it's a I don't know if I don't I doubt it's going to streaming I think it's going to theaters uh, they're, they're doing Salem's Lot I have no information about that at this time uh, my assumption is going to be is going to be a piece of shit yeah 
I wouldn't be surprised. Every franchise they try to revive and uh, milk a tiny little bit of influence that it might still have has bombed. So, not surprised. Well, just beyond that, Gary oh, Bowerman, oh. this is his first feature he's directing. Uh, he is one of the worst screenwriters in Hollywood and to credit for why the It movies. Um, look, I, I've warmed a little bit to it, it Chapter 2. I have to revisit the first one before I make any sort of note of that. Actually, we'll be, we'll be talking about that on another show pretty soon. Somewhat soon. I gotta check in and make sure everything's still good with that. But we're gonna be covering covering the the three adaptations of it, which align well with this new announcement of an HBO Max series that takes place in the 1960s. Sounds like it might be a little soft remake, react, uh, you know, just a second returning to the well. Maybe that would be more faithful to the book. We'll see. Uh, I would like that over them trying to connect it to the movies, but they're all about, oh, it's a bigger universe. It's a metaverse. It's the multiverse. Can I read you a couple of tweets to further your non-excitement about it? Salem's Uh, Lot? Yeah, go ahead. You're not going to believe this, but the Salem's Lot trailer is set to a cover of Daniel Johnston's Devil Town. Do you think that music is slowed down and sang by a female i haven't heard that how does that song go but it wouldn't surprise me i don't know either but but the fact that they brought it up it sounds like okay so it's either like an iconic movie that people recognize or they did that thing where they slow it down and make it you know like a because i think i i thought daniel johnson was like a like a happy music guy so I, i don't know there's here's another one salem's lot does indeed look like a smart theatrical play and closes with a killer trailer moment similar to that first Conjuring trailer that helped make that movie such a hit. So jump scares is going to be a, what is it? A, that moment, remember yeah. from The Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Cool. Excitement. <laughs> Who's in it? Is there a cast that's it that's been announced for the Salem's Lot movie? Who is it? Bit is do you know who Bill Camp is? Bill Camp? No. Uh, the name's familiar, but that's a very generic sounding name. <clears throat> so see where the James Wan produced Salem's Lot has a decently creepy trailer with so many creaky doors and Bill Camp in what looks like a lead role. Who the fuck is Can we just pull up Bill Camp real quick if he's playing the uh the writer? What's his name? Uh, David Soul plays him, and then Rob Lowe plays him. I've read that book four times. I should know off the top of my head. Uh, Mears? Bill Camp. No, he ain't. No, he's going to be Stryker. He's going to be the um, Donald Sutherland. Um, Matt Burke? He's playing Matt Burke? Uh, Go to the Salem's Lot page. He's not the lead. He's the old guy in the... Lewis Pullman is, is Ben Mears. William Sadler's in it. Mike Ryerson. How? Uh, Doctor Cody. Okay. Is that Oprah? Mark uh, Petrie is this kid. Okay. Ralph Glick, Danny Glick, Floyd Tibbetts. Um, this is. Not like an A-list cast at all. Not at all. Which I'm 
kind of uh, okay with, to be honest with you. Is this what you get when you can't get Bill? Or is that like his kid or something? Louis oh, Pullman. Bad Times at the El Royale. Born in 1993. This guy looks like he's 50 years old. What? He's, uh, yeah, he is Bill Pullman's kid. Can we look at another photo of Louis Pullman? This uh, man, this actor from the 1930s. Um, all right. He looks like Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Very ugly. Can we, all right, type in Lewis Pullman 2021. Maybe that'll give us a more accurate, because these are all movies from like 2018. If he's born in 93, he probably looks different now. Man, what an unfortunate face this guy has. He's 27. He looks like he's 45. Or a Popeye face. I mean, cool, I I guess. So he's playing... He's playing the lead. I don't hate that. Him? I mean, I've never seen him before, but he's I don't hate He's playing the Rob Lowe character. Look at tough guy Rob Lowe in his leather jacket there. His weird tan covered in oil. I don't hate that this guy's is playing that, Ben Mears. Is that his character? That's is his that character. Who? William Sadler. Who could William Sadler be playing? The main vampire, maybe? Mm. Is there... Uh, yeah, he's not listed as Barlow. Yeah, there's no Barlow here. So, so he must be. Unless, unless they're keeping that under wraps. But So Gary Doberman, that's the guy that you're not a huge fan of. I hate all. this guy. He is horrible. Yeah, he's the worst. Uh, Just to take a look at what he had written before. Oh, oh, oh. Annabelle. The Witch, the Witches movie. Is it? That's when they remade it for Disney, right? Oh. Oh, no, no, that's no, a different no, one. No, not even. One. This is just a movie called The Witches. Annabelle Creation, It, The Nun. Annabelle, com- so the Annabelle shared universe. Mm-hmm. Oof. I don't know about this one. Dark Side, Kevin House. Are you afraid of the dark? Is that based on the... Yeah, that was based on the... Um, oh. DJ Caruso of Shut In is directing that? <clears throat> Apparently... Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I in my head, just as much as I sour on the Batman, I warmed to shut in. You did? Yeah, a little I bit. I mean, I haven't watched it again. But I've know, only watched um, it I, I watched it once uh when it premiered on YouTube and then I went back and I watched it right before we recorded the show. You know what you're gonna get though with this movie, right? Because if the other movie that he's directed is Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, so this, okay, this and... is not his first feature that he's directed. He directed Annabelle Comes Home. I think I saw that Might movie well. in the theater. Might as well be. <laughs> is this the third one of the Annabelle movies, or the? F- I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not familiar at all with that whole Conjuring universe. To be honest with you, I saw some movie that I think. James Wan or one of these guys had something to do with maybe it was Ouija but I feel like it was do you remember there was a horror movie that came out in 2017 uh 2018 maybe or 2019 or maybe 2017 where they were in like a foster home and it was the 70s and one of the foster parents was a guy who pops up on like the CSI procedurals a lot or NCIS or cold case or one of those shows 
Well, Resident it doesn't Evil. matter. It was a piece of shit movie. <laughs> Welcome to Raccoon City. That's the only <laughs> plus <laughs> movie. Uh, I kind of wanted to do another show on uh, the Resident Evil franchise as a whole, but I just don't want to watch any of them. See, and I also want to do, I'd like to do a, a show on Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, but I like the idea of that movie more than the movie. The movie kind of yeah. sucks. The movie is not unwatchable, but it's very difficult to get through in one sitting. A lot of dialogue for CG that at the time wasn't that great. So it's like watching a... Well, no, for the time, that, that CG was, uh, amazing. was amazing for 2002, but now it's... It feels like a cutscene, you know. The the one thing that it does, the the one thing that that does have going for it, and a lot of animation from that time that has not aged well, uh, is it's all much more fluid than anything you'll find in a video game cutscene or like a lower budget um, animated movie made with the same kind of render system. Now, if you take a look at, you know, there's Resident Evil movies that are animated that are 3D animated that. They just love shoving them on Netflix. There's a Resident Evil direct to Netflix series that's that. Uh, but they're so choppy. There's not, they're not fluid yeah. enough. So even if Final Fantasy The Spirits Within has lesser animation or cell shading, they're still moving at a much more fluid rate uh, than anything you will find that has been produced in the last couple of years for one of these platforms. Yeah, I just, I'm just, I keep reading about, because I, I didn't see Annabelle comes home. That's the third one, apparently, and third and last one. And uh, I don't, I don't even look at the positive ones because I already don't believe when someone says beautifully made, creepy, and entertaining about an Annabelle movie. So I'm not even gonna. But the negative ones uh, felt like a made-for-TV disposable film, nothing special, mechanical, and unambi- and unambitious. Failing between the quality levels of the fairly dire first and the taut surprising second. Uh, it's the best of the three, but it's not saying much. There's no tension. A lot of things that go bump in the night, but if you listen carefully, you can hear the catch register pinging too. Okay. He's trying to be. So it's gonna it's gonna suck. Yeah. So it's gonna stink. I guess. I guess. So you're gonna be disappointed again about an, another. Are you a big fan of Salem's Lot? I love Salem's Lot. I love the book. I love the original okay. 78 uh, two-part TV movie. I, I think those are terrific. And when it originally aired, I was mostly a fan of the TNT one. But um, even even when I was watching it like 13 or 12 years old, or however old I was at the time, um, I was like, oh, man, this just went off the deep end big time. This is this is a piece of shit. This fucking sucks. The Rebel one. Yeah. The first part yeah. of that because they did a similar two-night event to the 78 one. And I remember most of the first part was good. And then Rutger Hauer comes in, and it is awful. It's the worst thing. Um, Because he's nothing... I mean, he's more like Barlow from the book, who's more of a typical Count Dracula character, very smooth-talking, very charming guy. I don't like that. I much prefer the Toby Hooper rendition, which just knocks off Nosferatu, to a T. Um, the idea of an ancient vampire who's just like disgusting and creepy and weird. I think that's yeah. much uh, better for a film. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have like Rutger Hauer and he's got wavy hair and, you know, he's a hot 60 year old man or whatever he is and he's dressed that that way. Donald Sutherland is good in that miniseries though, as Stryker. Uh, and I also recall, maybe we talked about this briefly on the show before. We did. Um, yeah where Rob Lowe's face 
<laughs> the soul patch, the blue contact yeah. lenses, the blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lowe wrote in his memoir uh, talking about how, how an actor, a, an actor, a main actor on this miniseries refused to learn any of his lines and presented a long monologue to the director that he wrote himself. And that actor was Rutger Hauer. So of course. he didn't know a damn thing about any anything he was supposed to be reading off the script. He was going to do his own thing, had no respect for the production. And you can see that. Uh, and it, as far as adaptations go, it's closer to the book, but it still sucks. It's not good. Um, and typically, the closer they get to the book, the worse the movie is. So, not a fan. Maybe we'll cover it on this show. Maybe we'll cover it on Civic TV. Good four hours of Salem's Lot for Civic TV. Good early yeah. aughts entertainment. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, don't know. I think I'd rather I'd rather watch Commando, uh, Mickey Rourke's latest movie. That'll with, be good. Uh, Michael, Michael J. White. J. White, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. The man good. is back. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> that that's the end of this episode. Uh, it's almost one o'clock in the morning here. We're gonna throw this up tonight. That has been movies. Surfshark.deal/slash/lowres. Thank you for listening.